What a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord this morning. May the Lord bless you today. What a powerful, powerful time thus far this morning. I don't know about you, but I'm just a mess. But a good mess. Because he's alive this morning. Amen. In the midst of everything that's going on. We are on the winning side this morning. It is a joy. It is a joy to have you in the house of the Lord with us today. And let me just take a moment and, uh, and just echo what Pastor Jade said earlier. If you're visiting with us, we are truly honored uh, to have you in the house with us this morning. To our online audience as well, may the Lord richly bless you on this Resurrection Sunday morning. And we pray the Lord's blessing upon you as well. A very special hello this morning also, though, to my father. I think he may be trying to watch this morning. And uh, we love you, Dad. And uh, we are. Amen. I told you I was a mess. So, but it's all right. Uh, those of you going to class, uh, if you're visiting and you don't know where to go, just uh, Debbie, raise your hand back there, and Crystal over there, they'll lead you to the right direction as you're exiting the sanctuary this morning. And uh, we are so thankful for our children's ministry and their labor this morning as well. Well, I'm going to take you on a journey this morning. I guess you'll probably never guess what I'm going to preach about today, uh, but uh, before we get to the celebration part, I'm going to take you on a journey, if the Lord would help me this morning. And uh, I do pray that you've made plans to be with us, not just today, but tomorrow evening, Tuesday evening, Wednesday evening. It's going to be a powerful time in the Lord in this house. And if you know people that need a touch from the Lord, you need to have them here because I strongly, strongly believe that this is not just a meeting, but this is a time ordained by the Lord for people to experience something that they need in the presence of God. And the men of God that's coming and ministry, uh, they are men that are walking with an anointing that uh, God is blessing them in what they're doing. And there is much that can be said about all of them. But this morning, uh, if you're able, if you're not able, I totally understand, but it's custom of this house. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of the word. I'm not, I'm just going to dive right in. And uh, I'm going to ask us to just have an ear to hear this morning. I'm going to read several scriptures just to lay the foundation today. I know that we're here to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But before he resurrected, there was some dark things that he experienced. And we're going to pick it up in the middle of the story today. If you have your Bibles, in John chapter number 19, beginning in verse number 1, I just want to lay it out this morning for a few moments. If the Lord would help me, I'm going to try to preach on the unchangeable, undeniable truth. But there's a phrase that I want us to really hear this morning. I'll give you that phrase in just a moment. But in John chapter number 19, beginning in verse number 1, it says, then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him and the soldiers plated a crown of thorns and put it on his head and they put on him a purple robe and said, hail king of the Jews. 
And they smote him with their hands, and Pilate therefore went forth again, and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. And when the chief priests therefore uh, and officials saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate saith unto them, Take you him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Then the Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. And when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. And he went again into the judgment hall and said unto Jesus, Whence art thou? And Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speak thou not to me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and I have power to release thee? But Jesus answered, Thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And then verse number 12. And from henceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. And when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in the place that is called the pavement, or in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, notice this now, he doesn't call him a man, behold your king. But they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate saith unto them, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he them to them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him, on one on each side. But then verse number 19, as they was getting ready to take Jesus away, and Pilate wrote a title. Let me say this, a title is a descriptive or distinctive proclamation of who someone or something is. And Paul wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. And then the chief priest of the Jews told Pilate, Write not the King of the Jews, but that he has said it, meaning this, we're not saying that, we're not acknowledging that. But notice Pilate answer, what I have written, I have written. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, this morning, I thank you for the reading of your word. I thank you for the men and women in this sanctuary today and those that are joining us by way of technology. Lord, I pray that for the next few moments that I would decrease and you would increase that they would not hear this man, but they would hear the God that is in this man. I pray for the convicting power of the Holy Ghost to touch hearts and lives this morning. I pray the kingdom would be increased, 
men and women would be edified and equipped. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want us to notice this morning for a moment the final words that Pilate said. What I have written, I have written. Not all of you, but many of you, under the sound of my voice this morning, you have been raised around the church or in the church. And you have heard the old saints get up during testimony service. Yeah, that used to be a thing. We ought to get that thing back. Just my opinion. But you would hear the old saints stand and they would simply say something like this. I just want to thank God for saving me, sanctifying me, and filling me with that sweet Holy Ghost. Anybody remember those days? But they didn't say it as calm. They would put a little oop in there and a little shake in there. And, you know, and I, was, I, didn't, I didn't want to do that. I'd scare some of you. So. But, uh, but that's not all they would say. Sometimes you would hear them get up and say, you're, you're going to help me this morning if nobody else is. He's already got his hands going. How can I preach with that? Lord, how mercy. But sometimes they would say this, I'm glad that I know, that I know, that I know. Anybody ever hear that? I wonder if I have anybody in this room this morning that can testify in that same manner and say, you know what, in the midst of everything that's going on, I'm glad that I know, that I know, that I know. You see, this morning, I, I, I want to tell you very clearly that it's time for some of us to begin to stop ignoring that which we know. Because when you know that you know that you know, it becomes undeniable and it becomes unchangeable. And I just want to serve notice this morning that no matter how much the enemy tries to discredit and disavow and to say that we are this and that and it's no longer relevant, I want you to understand this morning on Resurrection Sunday, it's still Jesus Christ and him crucified and resurrected and coming again. And I make no apologies for that this morning. But I, I would like to begin today with a question, and that is, what is truth? You see, truth is the true or the actual state of a matter. It is a verified or indisputable fact. And every time someone tries to disprove, they end up proving the more so that Jesus Christ really was who he said he was. There are times, however, in all of our lives that we have to come to a place where we have to pause and ask ourselves, is this really truth? And I sincerely believe that in those moments, those are defining moments. And in the story that I just read to you, leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, I find that in one of the darkest hours of humanity, I believe that there was a man by the name of Pilate that found himself in one of those moments. 
I'd like to take you on a journey just for a few moments. If you'll stay with me for a few moments, we'll finish well today with the help of the Lord. But when you take this journey, you will find that if we back up just a little bit, you will find that Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane with 11 of his disciples, a place that they had often been, according to John chapter 18, verses 1 and 2. It was a place that he would go and pray, a place where he would just get away and teach his disciples. Judas, having been there multiple times before, after betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, he begins to get officers and a band of men and he knows probably exactly where Jesus was going to be because he had been there oftentimes. But this time he arrived much differently than he had any other time. But he arrived with lanterns and torches as well as weapons. And this was a time of prophetic fulfillment. But Jesus, knowing the hour in which it was, he saw this band of men and officers coming with Judas. And he simply says, who are you looking for or whom seek ye? And they responded by saying, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. What's so amazing about this is in chapter 18, verse number six, you will find that as he answers, I am, immediately the band of men and officers fell backwards to the ground. We see the authority of Jesus in this moment. And then for the second time, he says, who are you seeking? I make that statement this morning because of the simple fact I want you to realize this morning that nobody killed him. He willingly gave his life for you and for me. And after the second time, he says, I am he. I've told you who I am. And Therefore, he then turns around and looks at the 11 that's with him so that another prophetic thing could be fulfilled. And that is this, where the word of the Lord was been fulfilled before their eyes. And he simply said, I'll go with you, but leave nothing. Do not touch these 11 because uh, it had to be fulfilled that I didn't lose any that you gave me. Think about it. And then we see that Jesus was bound and he was taken to Cephas' father-in-law, and then he was taken to Cephas, and Cephas was one that was give counsel to the Jews and give them direction concerning things. And when you fast forward through the story, you find that when he's standing in their presence, they're asking him who he is and what he's about and who's connected to him. And Jesus simply says later on in chapter 18 that he said, I have spoken openly to the world. I have not spoken anything in secret, but I've stood in the synagogues. I've stood in the temple. I've been amongst the people. So go ask them what I have said. I have nothing to hide. But then one of the officers, think about it, reached with the palm of his hand and slapped Jesus. And Jesus simply said, if I've spoken evil, bear witness of this evil, but why is it that you're smiting me? After 
this transpires, we find where Pilate comes into the story. Pilate is the one that is overseeing the hall of judgment. And as he comes on the scene, they bring Jesus and he says, what accusation do you have against this man? And as we read this morning, he said, I find no fault in him. The Jews therefore said unto him, it's not lawful for us to put any man to death. Basically, we want you to do our dirty work for us. Simply says, I've not found any fault in him. And then he comes back in and he begins to have conversation. How many knows that when you start having conversation with Jesus, everything changes? Pilate wasn't sure what was going on, but in this moment, all of a sudden, he begins to talk and he begins to walk through this uh, time in history and he begins to have conversation and he simply says, uh, he says, art thou the king of the Jews? In verse number 33 of chapter 18. And Jesus looked at him and said, you say, but are you saying it because someone told you or because you're experiencing something inside? Then the conversation continues, and Pilate asks again, are you a king? And he says, you say that I'm a king. Jesus wasn't been difficult. He was just letting some things play out in prophetic realms. But notice what he says to Pilate. He says, to this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth uh, heareth my voice. And then Pilate says, what is truth? And after he had said this, he went out again for the third time, and he simply said, I find no fault in this man. But then there began to be a cry that said, crucify him, crucify him. And upon hearing the cry of the crowd, Pilate becomes distraught. If you was to reread what we read together in chapter number 19, he began to hear the noise of the hour and it says that he was more afraid than he was previously. So he walked back in again, and he says, who are you? And Jesus gave him no answer. But then, notice it says Pilate sought to release him in verse number 12. But the Jews began to cry out more and more and more. And they said, away with him, away with him, crucify him. In this struggle, finding no fault, but then hearing the crowd and hearing the noise begin to come in such a way where it says, if you don't fulfill that which we're asking of you, then you're no friend of the king. He's distraught. But then notice something happened. The truth began to trigger in the heart of Pilate. And while they were simply saying Jesus was no king, he had nothing to offer them. He goes and finds a plank and he begins to write out not just one time, not just two times, 
but three times in three different languages because he wanted everybody that was getting ready to pass by the road to know who was hanging on a tree. And he simply wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And the chief priest simply said, do not write that, remove that. But he simply said, that which I have written, I have written. Please hear me. He said, what I have come to understand is that there is an unchangeable, undeniable truth that everybody else is missing, but Jesus Christ is who he says he is. Now, in this hour, in the year 2022, the world is telling us that there's many ways to God, that there's many ways to heaven. You can read the obituary section and everybody goes to heaven. But can I tell you, you and I need to understand uh, that right now there has to be a proclamation once again of the truth of who he truly is. Uh, listen, the world doesn't know who he is because they are blinded uh, by the things and the cares of this world. Uh, but what disturbs me today uh, is on Resurrection Sunday morning. Uh, we put on our pretty outfits and we do all of the religious things uh, and we come and we sit in the house of God week after week after week, uh, but we have failed to come to the truth uh, of who he truly is. Uh, and Pilate, while he was in this struggle, uh, listen, uh, he was simply saying, I understand uh, what I'm hearing, uh, but also understand there's something inside of me that's telling me what I'm hearing is not accurate uh, and he had to make a choice uh, and in that moment of time uh, if you read in the other gospels uh, he went and got a basin of water uh, and he began to wash his hands in front of the people uh, and he said don't lay this man's blood uh, to my charge and they said we'll take on the responsibility uh, but yet he found himself in a struggle uh, what will I do with truth uh, I've got to ask somebody this morning. Uh, you know about him. Uh, you've heard about him. Uh, you may have even walked with him. Uh, but now you find yourself wayward. Uh, you find yourself letting everything else in the world uh, dictate how you live and who you're going to be. Uh, and you know, however, uh, when you lay up on your bed at night uh, that the sleep don't come and the peace ain't there. Uh, but you know that there's this man named Jesus. Uh, and you just say, I, I just don't know what I'm going to do with him. But can I tell you, I come with not a big message today, but I come with a simple proclamation to tell you that just like Pilate did at that time, is simply that which is written is written. It's not going to change for you. It's not going to change for me. But can I tell you, it is finished. It is forever sealed. Can I tell you this morning, no matter what the world does, or tries to do. It does not dethrone the one and only Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And this morning, it's still the truth that will set men free no matter where they find themselves. This morning, I'm thankful for the truth. This morning, he could not break free from what he knew. And as he began to write... Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And for 2,000 years, men 
have tried to erase that proclamation. But can I tell you this morning, doesn't matter how much they say, don't write it. It's already been written. This morning, men and women from the east to the west, from the north to the south, sitting in sanctuaries, and they're proclaiming, Jesus is Lord. And they're doing that this morning because the story did not end in Pilate's Hall. And it did not end out by the side of the road when everybody was walking by and saw three men on a cross. The story didn't end after Joseph came and begged for the body of Jesus and laid it in a tomb. The story didn't end once that tomb was sealed with a large stone. But I must tell you, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. The rest of the story is found in every gospel. But let me give it to you from two of them in Luke chapter 24. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they come into the sepulcher bringing spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it come to pass as they were as much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here, but he is risen. I can read that same account in Matthew 28, verse number 1 through verse number 6. It says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the sepulcher, and behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and set upon it. Can I tell you this morning, that tomb is still empty. And he's still alive. Now, I have a whole lot of notes but I feel the unction of the Holy Spirit to leave my notes. So I'm going to do that. And I'm going to be real with you this morning. How do I know he's still alive? I'll give you a glimpse of my life for a few moments. Is that all right? Last night. Ethan, you want to help me? Come help me. Sit right there. Why y'all sleeping last night? I sat in a rocking chair by my daddy. Help me, Holy Spirit. He reached in a little walker and he's looking for a little Bible. Couldn't find it. After a few minutes, we found it. A little red New Testament. Carried it for years. I was curious, so I had to go to the front of it. And it was given to my grandmother by one of his sisters. And he said, would you read me a few verses? After midnight, early in the morning, first day of the week, Resurrection Sunday, I flip over and I read John 20, the first day of the week, Cometh Mary Magdalene, 
early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Got about right there and all of a sudden his little hand went up and he said, I've read that a lot. Then she runneth and come to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and saith unto them, and they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher and we know not where they have laid him. And he said, oh, I've read that. Verse number four, so they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher and he's stooping down and looked in and he saw the linen cloth liner. He said, oh, that's good. So I read a little more and he looked at me, 95 years old. A little before that, he simply said this. He said, son, I left this world today. I said, dad, I know, I know you did. I said, when I got here, you was, you was just coming back. And he said, yeah, he said, I was gone, but somebody prayed. I said, well, it's all right. And he said, well, I feel a lot better now that you read. And I thought we was done. But then, after a few minutes, going on one o'clock this morning, he said, you think I could stand? And I said, you want to stand? He said, yeah, I want to stand. You're going to be my daddy. See what happens when you get a haircut? <laughs> so I got over. Had a little walker right here. He's weak. I helped him up and he's standing. He couldn't stand. He's going like this. And I saw I was holding him like this. And then he started doing this. And I had to make the mood a little lighter, you know. And I said, Dad, are you standing or are you stomping the devil? He said, I'm going to stand on the word of God. Now, by the unction of the Holy Spirit, one o'clock this morning, he said, I think there's a word in there somewhere about standing. And I said, Dad... I think I've read a few times where it says, when you've done all that you know to do, just stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Amen. He said, I'm going to stand and see the salvation of the Lord. But right before all of this happened, he began to give me instructions like I'm supposed to take care of some of these stubborn family members of mine. And he says, I... I I need you to help them do this, and you need to help this one do that. And I said, Dad, I'll do my best. And I said, you know what, I'm going to, I said, somewhere in that Bible also it says that where two or three stand together. Amen. And I said, so I think I'll just stand with you right here. Is that all right? Amen. And I said, let's just stand for our family together one more time. He said, I've... I've hid this word in my heart all these years, son. I said, I know you have, Dad. Three of my sisters was there, steady, not saying anything, listening to the conversation. One of them said, I think maybe we ought to stand too. 
So then dad, in his feeble way, he looked over and he said, one, two. I got three of my daughters and my youngest son. He said, that's four. I said, yeah, but if I count you, that's five. And I said, do you know what number five is in Scripture? He said, I don't remember. I'll give him a pass. He's 95. I said, five always represents grace. So I said, let's just do this. I said, me and you standing on the word in unity in the midst and the presence of grace. I said, I think God might be up to something. And he said, well, can we just pray? See, I don't come with a story that I don't know anything about today. But at 95 years of age, what my daddy did at 1 o'clock this morning was simply put a proclamation on the statement that what I have written, I have written. I'm not changing it now. Some of you might be going through some stuff. But it is written that I'll never leave you, never forsake you, be with you always, even to the end. And this morning, I know my daddy has more days behind him than he does in front of him. It may be a few days, it may be a few months, or who knows, miraculously, it might be a few years. But all I know is this that there is something that is written that the world cannot erase no matter what it brings. Uh, and because it was written in his life, uh, it has been passed down to his children, his grandchildren. Uh, so I come to tell somebody this morning, uh, you gotta quit playing religious uh, games, uh, but you gotta get to a place where once again, you say, I know that I know that I know. Because can I tell you, it doesn't matter what season you find yourself in, uh, there is a truth that you can stand on and that is this that Jesus loves you he died for you he resurrected for you and he's coming back again for you but you got to just call out to him this morning in the midst of the world thank you father this morning I have to remind you and I'm hurrying Prophetically, there was a statement that was given many, many years before this transpired. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 9 wrote, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with his justice, henceforth, even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. It's truth. Say, so how do you know it was true? How can you really put a proclamation, an explanation point on this? There was a man by the name of John. They tried to kill him, put him in a barrel of oil, and he still wouldn't die. He was a stubborn old man, but he knew what he knew. And if you read in the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, it says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day on the Isle of Patmos, and I heard a voice as the sound of a trumpet. Said, I turned around and the 
look what I hit. He said, I saw seven golden candlesticks, but in the midst of it, there was the likings of the Son of God. His hair was like wool, his feet like fine brass. But he said, I heard him say, heard him say something. I wonder if you ever heard him say anything. He simply said, as his voice was the sound of many waters, he simply heard him say, fear not, for I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. That's enough to get excited about, but if you read just a little bit more, he says, amen. And then he says, and I have keys of hell and of death. So I come this resurrection Sunday morning to tell you this. That while the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, the second Adam came so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. They sung the song, I speak the name of Jesus. Can I tell you it's just that simple? If you just speak the name of Jesus. Because of his victory, you and I this morning also have victory. Not just in this life, but in the life in the world to come. Acts chapter 2 and 21 simply says, It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. I wonder if anyone in this room has not yet called on his name. The worship team begins to make its way to the platform this morning. You may ask, preacher, what does all of this mean? All of this noise, all of this hype, all of this emotion, all of this stuff that I've experienced sitting in this room today, what does it mean? I'm not here to judge Pilate. It's not my job. But I know this. Pilate had been along with Jesus. And he come to understand truth. And he had to make a decision of what to do with truth. He could give in to the noise of the crowd. Or he could stand. Not knowing exactly what to do. The Lord will do right by Pilate just like he will do right by you and I. But in an act of desperation... In an act of knowing that I got to say something somehow, some way. He began to write, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. If you was to read in your Bibles, Isaiah 53. Verse number four, you would read these words. Surely he hath bore our grief carried our sorrows yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities chastisement of our pieces upon him with his stripes we are healed which brings me to this this morning I unapologetically stand here with absolute confidence that Jesus Christ, he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one who heals all manner of disease and sickness. He is your deliverer. 
He is your place of refuge. He is your provision. And he is your joy. And he is your peace. He is the one that takes away the sins of the world. He was that spotless lamb that they carried. Placed on a old rugged cross. But that lamb was much different than any lamb that was ever crucified before him. Because every lamb that was ever sacrificed only covered sin. But Jesus became the lamb that carried sin and washed it away. But can I encourage somebody today under the sound of my voice? That he's not coming back on a donkey as a prince of peace. He's not coming back as a lamb led to slaughter. But there's getting ready to be a roar that shakes this world. And it's the lion of the tribe of Judah that's coming. Because he is a man that he cannot lie. He keeps his word. And maybe there's been a word spoken over your life and you say, it just seems so far away. I just don't know if it will ever be. Can I tell you, don't ever give up on God. I'm going to end with this story. I'm anxious to talk to Pastor Tommy because I was going to call him. I didn't want to bother him because he's been traveling. But Thursday night, Pastor Tommy, some of you saw, he was Pastor Swagger. Preached an outstanding prophetic message. But when he sat down at the piano... I don't know if he realizes it, but he began to fulfill prophetic words. In the year 1959, some of you may not know him, a few of you will know this name, Reverend Arlie Petrie, a statesman in the faith, was sick, didn't look real well for him. God gave him a little vision saw himself in a hospital waiting room type deal with, said he thought there's about 10 other people in there. Arlie's been blessed to write some of the most amazing music that we've ever shared in the church. But in the midst of this encounter, he saw a man walk into this room and simply looked at him and said, he'll be there. And that's where the words began to be penned from the song that Arlie wrote that many have sung, he'll be there. But what many people don't realize that after he penned those words, the word of the Lord came to Brother Arlie Petrie and said, there will be a day that this song will go around the world at one time. Thursday night in a melody of music. Man, I feel the anointing. Every time I tell it, it just messes me up. You have to forgive me. 60 plus years. God said it. It's been sung in a lot of places by a lot of people. 
But for over 60 years, it had never come to completion. But in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Sin City, Mardi Gras, galore. The world says, that's my place. But God says, oh no. I'll take a boy from Kentucky and I'll set him on a piano bench in April of 2022 and I will fulfill my word. And he began to sing. He'll be there. And all of a sudden, the heavenless begins to be altered because God said, now is the time that my word has been completed. What did he tell you six years ago, 16 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? And you say, it's never happened yet. Maybe he's not really who he says he is. But on Sunday morning, can I tell you, if he said it, it's unchangeable and it's undeniable and it's truth. I feel my help. I could preach for about two minutes this morning. Can I tell you, there is an acceleration in this moment of time. God is about to and God is doing in this very moment that which you think is far off I hear the Lord saying, I'm about to do a quick work and that which the enemy said never will be. He said, don't be distracted by the cares of the world. Don't be distracted by the noise of war. But he said, that which I have written, it is written. And I wanna speak over your life this morning as we stand all over this house and tell you that if he said you could be healed, you can be healed. If he says you can be delivered, you can be delivered. If he says you can walk in victory, you can walk in victory. It doesn't matter how bad the storm is in your life right now uh, there is still a God that says I love you uh, I'll still take care of you uh, I'll make a way for you uh, I'll be the water in the desert <laughs> we are on the brink of something supernaturally you say what is that I know that Gabriel's probably polishing up his trumpet. And I know there's a sound that we're about to hear that we've never heard. And those that are asleep in the Lord, they are gonna be resurrected first. And those that are alive and remain, we are gonna be called up to meet them in the air together to forever be with the Lord. Uh, and that's supernatural. But before that happens, uh, I gotta tell you there's something else getting ready to happen. Uh, there's some wayward children in a foreign land uh, that's about to come to their senses uh, because of uh, a Holy Ghost visitation. Uh, the lost is about to hear a call. Uh, there's a Claritin call. Uh, and you and I are gonna experience some things. If I had a voice I'd preach this morning, but can I tell you, one more time, what has been written is written. No matter how much men try to rebel against it, no matter how much they try to discredit it, they will continue to fall short because I want to make this proclamation to you, he is still the undisputed champion of the world. 
now I'm not going to talk to anybody else but you. I'm not talking to your neighbor, not talking to the one in front of you, behind you. I'm talking to you this morning. Do you know him? Or you say, I've known him, but I'm not with him now. I have to ask you, what are you standing on? What are you putting your faith in, your trust in today? Because you're putting it in something. And I will tell you, everything else outside of Jesus Christ will leave you hopeless, helpless, and discouraged. But if you'll stand on the promises of God, we will go through and we will be victorious. You may feel this morning, like my father, not very much strength to even stand because of everything that's going on in your world. But he simply says, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Hey everybody, it's Pastor Jay here. I just want to thank you for watching. I hope that this message challenged and changed your life with the power of the Holy Ghost. We ask that you continue following us and watching us weekly. And if you want to follow us on any social media platform, you'll find the link to all those platforms in the description below. We love you. So does God. Have a great day.